One of the greatest struggles that we have in our day is the struggle to accept the entire Bible as wholly inerrant as it was originally given. That when God speaks, he makes no errors. That's a fundamental issue to be grounded in faith. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. My name is Isaac, your host, and today marks our 10th episode. We're pretty happy about that. Hopefully you've been enjoying them as well. Hey, this week we have a standalone feature podcast. In just a moment, you'll be hearing a conversation I had with Dr. John Newfeld about false teaching in the Christian church today. We look specifically into the emergent church movement. It can also be called progressive Christianity as well. But also the word faith movement. Why is this our topic? Well, there are multiple false teaching movements in our world today that are preaching counterfeit gospels. And those gospels will never speak of the true salvation. If we believe the word of God, you know, the Bible is true, then we have to take it seriously. You know, it's one thing that people never hear the gospel, but a complete disaster for those who hear a stained version of it. And really, that's deceit at its best. A wolf in sheep's clothing, we read in the Bible. So, as biblical Christians, we need to not only know the true gospel well, but to understand the nature of why false teaching exists in the first place. After my conversation with John, we'll look into that. But as for now, let's listen to this conversation with Dr. John Newfeld. Hey, I'm Isaac Dagno from Endowed Ministries, and here with me is Dr. John Newfeld, who is the Bible teacher for Back to the Bible Canada. And we're here to talk about the uh, issue of false teaching, um, uh, and specifically, obviously, on the Christian, the Christian church. And I just want to bring up here Galatians 1.9, and Paul says, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. So obviously, false teaching is a reality, and it has been affecting the church right from the outset of after, when you know, in the first century up, up to now, yeah. there's been false teaching. So what are the popular false teachings of our day. Of our day. Contemporary stuff. Contemporary yeah. stuff. What is it? Well, there's lots. You know, it's, it's very difficult to begin to even root down and say, I mean, here's the major issue. I mean, everything, you know, from a rank prosperity gospel on one hand. Yeah. Um, you know, I have talked about the emergent movement. But if I can, you know, Isaac, I think there are a number of categories that you can put false teaching in. And one are the false teachings around the nature of Scripture itself. Okay. I mean, I think, um, you know, the idea of the authority, inspiration, and inerrancy of Scripture, but also on the knowability of the Bible. So I think that a lot of the emergent church problems are around the knowability of the Bible. So the emergent line goes something like this. It'll say, well, yes, the Bible is God's Word, but you and I are, you know, are these fallible human beings, and no human communication is perfect or perfect you know, understandable in, a, in an objective sense. So all we can do is subjectively interact with we the We can't word. really know what it's, That's correct. what it's saying. But that assumes something. Right. It assumes that when God speaks, he speaks in such a way that we can't possibly know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But I think the opposite must be the case. Right. If God wants to communicate with us, he could also create us in such a way yeah. that we'd be able to understand what he says. That's right. So I think we're going to have to hold firm on a line that it is possible to, in some sense, objectively know what God is saying. Right. Um, so I think the subjective object, I mean, I, I'm not arguing that I perfectly or you perfectly or anyone perfectly knows Scripture, but there's enough that God has communicated that can be known yes. to anyone. Objectively. Objectively. That's right. That's what we're saying, yeah. Um, to quickly step back a little bit, what exactly... Uh, for people who don't know, what is the prosperity movement? What is emergent theology? Yeah. 
Yeah. What are those? If I understand the prosperity gospel properly, I think it finds a root system that's decidedly not scriptural. Okay. And that root system builds itself in this way. I think prosperity teachers believe that we can act in a God kind of manner. So prosperity teachers will often teach, have the God kind of faith. Mm. So they'll say that God created the world through speaking his word, and it was so. And you and I can learn from God's example so that we can speak a word and it will be so as well. Mm. So rather than seeing faith as confident trust that God will act on our behalf in mercy, they see faith as an independent force that exists outside of God. So God uses this faith force to create, and you and I can lay a hold of this same kind of a thing. So it creates out of the idea of faith almost an idolatrous God in and of itself. So you know, at its very essence, yeah. I think that prosperity teaching leads us in a direction in which we believe in faith mm-hmm. rather than believe in God. Interesting. Yeah. And what is that, what is that, uh, what is, how does that benefit them? Well, it benefits, yeah, yeah, because it benefits, because now you can use faith, you know, to gain finances, you know, you begin to uh, confess wealth and you confess health. Mm-hmm. You know, if I just simply say, you know, my, you know, your grace is sufficient for me, or I can say something like that. Right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I just keep on saying that, right. and that engages or in, enacts a faith and then when I put that faith principle, you know, a spiritual matter happens and it changes mm-hmm. the external situation. So they'll often say, you know, speak to this mountain, tell it to be removed. So simply by speaking the words, you're acting in a God kind of way. So in essence, I would argue that the faith teachers are really proclaiming themselves as God-like. Wow. So I think that's a fundamental heresy. Yeah. Um, you know, Isaac, we talk about why that's all wrong. And maybe we should, right? I mean, it's all wrong because even when Jesus says, you know, Mark 11, 23 and 24, speak to this mountain, he didn't say to speak to any old mountain out there. The mountain he's speaking about is the Temple Mount. And he was speaking to the Temple Mount, be removed and cast into the sea because by his one death, he removed the need to have a temple and sacrifice and offerings. That's right. So what the faith teachers are doing with that passage is entirely misrepresenting what Jesus was saying. So, so I, there's a lot of problems with the faith movement, and I think that the faith movement actually has so subverted the gospel, I don't even know if we can call it an, an authentic gospel anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that, that's, those are harsh things to say. Well, they are. Um, and it's, it's interesting, as you say that, I'm thinking about it, it's like that's only benefiting their, their life on earth. There's not really eternity in mind, because yeah. it's only benefiting your wealth, your health, all these different things that are just going to help you. Well, they're going to say that if you confess salvation, you're saved as well. So that's where the whole thing gets to be so subversive. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't get saved by confessing that we're saved. Right. I mean, we get saved because Christ has mercy on us and paid our sins on the cross. And we have come to look at his sacrifice on our behalf and simply say, you know what, I trust you. Yeah. I mean, that's very different. It is. It's very different. And and emergent theology, progressive Christianity. Yeah. Now, emergent, I mean, you and I can talk about that for a while. I mean, it's it's sometimes difficult for me to understand emergent. I mean, in some ways... um, Isaac, I kind of think that emergent is the old-line liberalism with... Ripped blue jeans and tattoos, you know, and, and guitars. I, I think it just kind of looks contemporary, right. but looks kind of old to me at the same time. Okay. 
Um, so, you know, the old line liberals began by saying that the Bible is not actually a revelation from God. So it's not that God comes down and speaks to us. They simply say that the Bible is a record of God or of, of people trying to understand God within the framework of their own culture and the framework of their own understanding. Mm. So it's not God reaching down to us, it's us reaching up to God. Right. Um, so you know, you, you'd no longer see the Bible as revelation, no. and the revelation by which we can live. Right. And in some ways, you know, emergent ways of thinking, which have done everything from you know, deny the existence of hell in, in the case of Rob Bell, yeah. and other people like that, will always continue to define biblical revelation as the best that human beings can do to, to grapple and to understand the God idea, right. rather than God communicating in such a way yeah. that makes himself known. And I think that's the issue here. Yeah, and the, and the problem for them to have an, uh, an idea of what the Bible is, if it's just people trying to, you know, to communicate about God, then it's, of course, they're not going to see it as infallible and inerrant. So they can really pick and choose what they what they would like. So canon within a canon starts coming up and, and all those different issues as well. Yeah, that canon within a canon. You know, the, the canon normally is what we describe the, the, the 66 books that make up our Bible are the authoritative declaration of what God has said. That's right. The idea of a canon within the canon says that, well, the, the majority of the stuff, or not majority, whatever amount, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but there's a lot of percentage in the Bible that just reflects the ideas and thinking of people, but there's a kernel in the center of the stuff. Right. And that kernel in the center is the true word of God. Right. My response always to that is, who decides what the kernel <laughs> exactly. is yeah, exactly. and what the chaff is? Yeah. And uh, so I guess we'll probably need some other you know, scholar overlooking everything that we do. And we can no longer go to the Bible and simply say, you know, God has said and that's good enough. Right. Um, and I think that's what's missing. Right. Um, so I, I think the struggle in our day, one of the greatest struggles that we have in our day is the struggle to accept the entire Bible mm -hmm as wholly inerrant as it was originally given. That when God speaks, he makes no errors. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a fundamental issue yeah. to be grounded in the faith. Right. And that's something, obviously, that emergent theology will, will never accept. I think not. I think not. That's right. And so ultimately, we'll have to divide there. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, sometimes the response to false theologies, false teaching, I mean, you know, we can become quite harsh and vitriolic. And in some ways, we must warn believers that by drinking this stuff, you're actually drinking cyanide. Right. You're going to die if you believe this. That's right. So it will alienate you from God. Yeah. But on the other hand, we want to be gracious because we want to reach out to people who are being misled. That's right. And we want to let them know about the kindness and the love of God. And we can't do that when we're being harsh and vitriolic That's right. ourselves. That's right. That's a good point. Um, Jesus tells us to beware of these false prophets and so on. So what does it mean, firstly, to beware of false teaching, false teachers? What does that mean? And then how, what does that look like practically in our lives as Christians who seek to, to you know, obviously abide by the biblical gospel? Yeah. I do know this, that when Jesus said beware, the context, you'll remember, are you know, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. That's right. So on the outset, False teachers look to be like they're one of us. Right. You know, they, they've got the Bible in their hand, they're, they're grappling with it. But when you begin to listen carefully to what they say, you begin to say, wait, wait a minute, they sound most unlike us. Hmm. And so I think when he says beware, he says, first of all, beware that this kind of a phenomenon exists. Okay. 
And then I think also beware has to do with knowing the word of God well enough, knowing the, the center of the Christian truth well enough so that we can beware of when we are being misled. So we can identify it. And sometimes, you, you know, you talk to people who are just reading the Bible all the time and they'll say, you know, I don't know what it is that person is saying, but something just feels wrong right. because, yeah. you know, they just got this sense they've known the real thing well enough exactly. to just get that, you know, that red light that goes on. Right. And I think that's, I remember being in a world religions class and, and uh, even though we were talking about different religions, I think this applies to even false teachings within Christianity. Uh, my teacher said that the best way to know when something is not quite right is not to uh, study, uh, study what's wrong with them, but uh, to study the biblical gospel as much as you can. Just like he said, like in a bank, you don't study what the um, counterfeit money is. You study what the real Feeling it is. all the time, know Feeling what it feels it, like. So whenever a counterfeit comes, it's like instantly, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think that can apply as well. So I think the, the key to it is to know your Bible, to know what it says, um, to accept the true doctrine of Scripture, that it's an inerrant and infallible, so that when a wolf in sheep clothing comes and says something that's contrary, you know it. And I think that's a, it's hard in our day and age, though, because I think that there's tons of, you know, people that are calling themselves Christians, and they're just, they're Bible illiterate, and they don't know. Yeah. So that when there's someone up there with the Bible in hand, and they're preaching, they're accepting it. Yeah. They're accepting it because they don't know. Yeah, and maybe we need to help people with, you know, who aren't reading their Bibles, with that piece of news. Yeah unless you become familiar with the real thing, that's right. you could be led astray. Yeah. Um, that's a very important thing to say. It is. Yeah. That was Dr. John Newfeld on false teaching. So the nature of why false teaching exists. In Paul's second letter to his friend Timothy, he writes, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. So, firstly, this is saying that people have itchy ears, right? They desire people to tell them what they want to hear. So then we ask, well, what do people want to hear? They want to know and be encouraged that their passions are good and will be fulfilled, right? I mean, ever since mankind chose to rebel against God, they have new passions. So their passions aren't to love and serve God and others anymore, but to love and serve themselves. So when someone approves these selfish passions, it feels good. Humans will always do everything they can to feel loved, accepted, and approved by others, right? It's in our nature to desire that. But the truth is, True love, acceptance, and approval only come from the Father to those who've been washed by Jesus' blood. Nothing else on earth will fulfill a person's natural need to want these things. But like I said earlier, sin confuses those desires to make them selfish. So people have these itchy ears to hear approval for their selfish passions and will do everything and anything to receive that. Now, if we continue, Paul tells Timothy that people won't endure sound teaching. You know, sound teaching uh, is correct teaching. It's the true biblical gospel. It's the true interpretation of what we read in the word of God. Now, since the true gospel doesn't approve our selfish passions, in fact, it rebukes them, some people will grow tired. They're going to grow weary. They're going to lose the endurance it takes to battle fleshly desires. And that's why false teaching exists in so many varieties, some extreme and some very subtle. All right, so what does all this mean? It means that we must, as Christians, understand that living the Christian life means dying to ourselves. 
It means losing our lives so that we might find them in Christ. It means identifying our selfish passions and allowing the Spirit to change those for His passions. Anyone who preaches a gospel other than the one preached in the Bible is giving you a myth. If our ears are itchy to hear approval, let's not go looking to be scratched by anyone or anything, right? Wait on the Lord. Wait in His Word. Our ultimate approval is coming, and it's only made possible through Jesus. Well, that wraps up the InDoubt podcast show. To find out more about InDoubt and to listen to more podcasts, visit InDoubt.ca. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We want to hear from you. If you have any stories, comments, or whatever you want to share with us, let us know. That being said, I'm Isaac, and this is the InDoubt podcast.